بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم will uh, inshallah ta'ala continue the explanation of Riyadh al-Salihin hadith number 6 and uh, we'll go over the hadith uh, so as to refresh our memory this is the hadith of Sa'ad bin Abi Waqqas and the narration goes as follows Abu Ishaq Sa'ad bin Abi Waqqas radiyallahu ta'ala anhu may Allah be pleased with him and he is one of the ten who had been given the glad tidings of entry into Jannah into paradise narrated that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam <coughs> visited <coughs> me in my illness which became severe in the year of the Hajjatul Wada'a, the farewell pilgrimage I said, O Messenger of Allah, you can see the pain which I am suffering and I am a man of means and there is none to inherit from me except one daughter should I give two-thirds of my property in charity? he وسلم, said, no I asked him, then half, he said, no. Then I asked him, can I give away one-third? He said, give away one-third, and that is still too much. It is better to leave your hires well off than to leave them poor, begging people. You will not expend a thing in, in charity for the sake of Allah, but you will be rewarded for it, even the morsel of food which you feed your wife. I said, O Messenger of Allah, would I survive my companions? He said, if you survive others and accomplish a thing for the sake of Allah, you would gain higher ranking and standing. You will survive them. Your survivor will be beneficial to people, to the Muslims, and harmful to others, to the enemies of Islam. You will survive others till the people will derive benefit from you, and others would be harmed by you. Messenger of Allah further added, O Allah, complete for my companions their immigration and don't cause them to retract. Complete for my companions their immigration and don't cause them to retract. And Sa'ad bin Khawla <coughs> was unfortunate. Messenger of Allah lamented his death as he died in Mecca. And this hadith uh, is reported by Al-Bukhari and Muslim we reached the discussion that he وسلم, as he informed him when he asked O Messenger of Allah would I survive my companions am I going to be left behind when my colleagues depart and thus die in Mecca so the Prophet told him you will certainly not be left behind and he explained to him that if he would stay behind then act any action seeking by that the face of Allah except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would raise him in rank and standing meaning assuming you will remain behind and you will not be able to leave Mecca again and then you do works seeking 
by them the face of Allah Azza wa Jal, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you higher rank and higher standing, higher rank in Jannat al-Na'im, in the levels of paradise, of bliss. Even if you do these deeds in Mecca, knowing that you immigrated from it, then the Prophet ﷺ told him, وَلَعَلَّكَ أَن تُخَلَّفْ أَن تُخَلَّفْ هنا غير أن تخلف الأولى Here he told him that you will live <coughs> long enough. I am confident that you will live long enough in this life. And this is exactly what occurred. For Sa'ad bin Abi Waqas, may Allah be pleased with him, lived long, long time. To the extent that he, may Allah be pleased with him, as the scholars had mentioned, left behind <coughs> 17 of males and 12 females, children-wise. And in the beginning, as you know from the hadith, he had only one daughter. But he lived long, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestowed upon him children. Seventeen sons and seventeen and twelve daughters. So he told him, <coughs> you will survive them. Not only that, وَيُضَرُّ بِكَ أَخَرُونَ You will survive <coughs> till the people will derive benefit from you and others will be harmed by you. And this is exactly what happened. This is exactly what happened. He stayed <coughs> and he had a lot of a great influence in the Islamic expeditions. And so Many people benefited from Sa'd, and they are the Muslims. And others were, were harmed by him, and they were the kuffar, the unbelievers. Then the Prophet ﷺ invoked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He said, Allahumma amdili ashabi hijratahum. O Allah, complete for my companions their immigration. Complete for my companions their immigration and don't cause them to retract. Complete my complete for my companions their immigration. <coughs> and this is through through two things. Number one, a firm standing on iman, on faith. Because when the person is firm on iman then he would be firm in his immigration. The second, and he would not retract. The second, that none of them will retract and return to Mecca after immigrating from it, after immigrating for Allah and His Messenger. Because when you leave the country immigrating for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Messenger, it is like the wealth which you give it in charity. The country which you leave 
is like the wealth which you give in charity you cannot retract and thus everything which the person leaves for the sake of Allah cannot retract and from this is the success which many people have attained by the will of Allah in taking out the TVs from their homes in repentance to Allah and keeping away from it and of its evils which to a great extent outweigh the benefits and those who have done this would they say then we retract and return it to the home we say no after you had taken it out for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because the person if he takes something for the sake of Allah and abandons it for the sake of Allah then he should not retract and that's why the Prophet والسلام, asked Allah and yumdi li ashabihi hijratahum that's why the Prophet والسلام, asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to complete the immigration for his companions and not to retract not to retract from the state of Iman and therefore turn away from Iman because this belief is retraction and retardation and Iman is taqaddum, is progress and this is in opposition to what is said by many in our times who describe Islam as retardation, reactionary and they say that progressiveness is for the person to disassociate completely from the deen of Islam and become secular thus not differentiating and distinguishing between iman and disbelief between faith and disbelief we seek refuge in Allah from this and not between obedience and disobedience in fact faith and iman is the true progress is the true progress the progressive ones are the believers and progress can only be through Iman and apostasy is the true retardation and retraction as the Prophet ﷺ described it by saying وَلَا تَرُدَّهُمْ عَلَىٰ أَقَابِهِمْ and don't cause them to retract retract from faith and in this hadith there are many many great benefits number one it is from the guidance of the Prophet ﷺ is to visit the patients the sick people the ill ones because he visited Sa'ad bin Abi Waqqas and in these visits there are benefits for the visitor and for the sick person visited as to the visitor he 
fulfills the right towards his Muslim brother because it is from the right towards your Muslim brother is that you visit him if he becomes sick. Not only that, it is to the extent that if one visits his sick Muslim brother, then he will be reaping the fruits of paradise in his visit, as came in the hadith. When the Prophet said, in the hadith reported by Ali bin Abi Talib, that the Messenger said, if a man calls on his sick Muslim brother, it is as if he walks reaping the fruits of paradise until he sits. And when he sits, he is showered in mercy. And if this was in the morning, 70,000 angels send prayers upon him until the evening. And if this was in the evening, 70,000 angels send prayers upon him until the morning. And this hadith is reported by Tirmidhi by Ibn Majah and by Imam Ahmed and Sheikh Al-Albani authenticated it in Sahih Ibn Majah and in Sahih Al-Tirmidhi and also Sheikh Ahmed Shakir rahimahullah also declared it as authentic so walking, reaping the fruits of paradise in the visit to the sick person to the sick Muslim and from that and from that, there is a reminder for the visitor concerning the ni'mah, the blessing which Allah bestowed upon him. What kind of blessing? The blessing of health. Because when he sees this Muslim sick brother and sees in him the state of illness and disease, then he comprehends and thinks concerning himself the good health and ability he would recognize the ni'mah, the blessing of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon him because things are known by their opposites and from that is that this brings love and affection when the person visits the sick this visit in the heart of the sick person he remembers it and every time he remembers that he will love his brother the visitor and this appears many times when the sick is relieved and is healed and then afterwards he meets the visitor who visited him in his state of sickness, of illness. You will find his heart 
open to him at ease and at comfort and with love and affection meeting him, remembering him for his visits as to the sick being visited also he benefits from that because the visit comforts him relieves him opens his chest and he will be relieved from worry, from worry and from the effects of the illness and it may be that the visitor who visits him reminds him with good and with repentance and with the reminder concerning the will, the bequest and if he has if people have rights upon him so in this case there will be a great or great benefits to the sick being visited and that's why the scholar rahimahumullah said <coughs> it should be that the visitor when he goes to visit his sick brother is to bring glad tidings to him to bring him pleasure saying to him MashaAllah Anta al-yawm fi khayr you are today you are in a state of goodness and the like and it is not incumbent upon him to say to him like oh you are healthy today because it may be that on this day his disease is stronger than yesterday is more intense rather he says to him today you are good mashallah because why? because the believer all of his affairs is good all of his affairs are good if he is inflicted by a harm then that is good for him And if he is touched by pleasure, then that's also good for him. So he, he tells him, اليوم أنت بخير Today you are good, walhamdulillah, and all praise is due to Allah, and the like which brings happiness to his heart. We're knowing well that one's life is definite, limited to a certain term. If this sickness is his sickness of death, then it's inevitable. And if there remains to him a period of life to live it, he will live it. Also, he should remind him regarding tawbah, repentance, seeking repentance, but should not tell, him, tell it to him directly, because this may upset him. And he may say within himself, Oh, had it not been that my sickness is really serious, my, my disease is really serious, okay, then in, in this case he would not have reminded me about the tawbah. But it should come in an indirect way. Like starting by mentioning the verses and the hadith 
where there is praise upon those who turn to Allah in repentance in this way the sick will remind himself will remember rather also he should remind him concerning the back with the will but he shouldn't tell him make a back with because your term is about to be finished if he would say this to him he will become upset but rather says يذكره he reminds him by certain stories like saying to him for example such and such person he owed debt to people and he was a fair man and he used to make back with and remind his family about paying people their rights and the like from the words and the statements which are reminder indirectly act as a reminder but not directly so not to upset him also the people of knowledge may Allah's mercy be upon them said he should also notice meaning the visitor if he sees the sick eager eager to have ruqya made upon him then he should go and recite the ruqya upon him like making the dua the Prophet whenever he وسلم, paid a visit to a patient or a patient was brought to him he used to invoke Allah saying أذهب البأس رب الناس واشف أنت الشافي لا شفاء إلا شفاءك شفاء لا يغادر سقما take away the disease O Lord of the people cure him as you are the one who cures there is no cure but yours a cure that leaves no disease a cure that leaves no disease or he may recite upon him Surah Al-Fatiha the opening chapter of the Noble Quran because Surah Al-Fatiha itself is a ruqya to be made upon the patient and upon those who may be stung by a scorpion or a snake or the like as came in the hadith reported in Al-Bukhari and Muslim and so when the visitor sees from the patient a sign that he is eager for recitation of the ruqyas then let him do that why? lest the patient asks him to do the ruqya upon him why? because the Prophet said in the authentic hadith reported by Al-Bukhari and Muslim he said رَأَيْتُ مَعْ أُمَّتِي سَبْعِينَ أَلْفًا 
يدخلون الجنة بغير حساب ولا عذاب I have seen with my nation 70,000 who shall enter paradise without reckoning and without punishment and he described them وقال هم الذين لا يسترقون ولا يكتؤون ولا يتطيرون وعلى ربهم يتوكلون they are those who don't treat themselves with ruqya so they don't ask for it themselves nor do they believe in bad or good omen nor do they get themselves branded meaning cauterized but they put their trust in their Lord but they put their trust in their Lord so he described them as لا يسترقون meaning they don't seek the ruqya from anyone to be recited upon them so if you see him eager to have the ruqya recited upon him then go ahead and recite lest you cause him unease and thus him goes for the request also if you see the patient likes for you to stay longer with him then do so because you are in a state of goodness in this case and also you are rewarded so stay longer and bring him pleasure because bringing him pleasure could be the cause for his healing and this pleasure and the openness of the chest is from the main reasons for healing so if you see that he loves for you and he likes for you to stay then stay longer until you see that he is bored however if you see the patient not at ease and does not like for you to stay and loves for you to go so that his family comes in and he becomes comfort with them then don't stay long leave ask about his situation and leave and from the benefits of this hadith is حسن خلق النبي عليه الصلاة والسلام the good character of the Prophet عليه الصلاة والسلام and there is no doubt that the best of mankind in morality and good character is the Prophet عليه الصلاة والسلام because Allah سبحانه وتعالى said in سورة القلم سورة القلم 68 verses 1 to 4 نون والقلم وما بنعمة ربك بمجنون وإن لك لأجرا غير ممنون وإنك لعلى خلق عظيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نون والقلم وما يسترون ما أنت 
بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ بِمَجْنُونٍ وَإِنَّ لَكَ لَأَجْرًا غَيْرَ مَمْنُونٍ وَإِنَّكَ لَعَلَى خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ نون فاذتن and what the angels write in the records of men you are not by the grace of your Lord a madman and verily for you will be an endless reward and verily you are an exalted standard of character the best of mankind in character is the Prophet and that's why he used to visit his companions greeting them passing by the children greeting them alayhi salatu wassalam and from the benefits of this hadith that it is incumbent upon the person to seek consultation with the people of knowledge because Sa'ad bin Abi Waqqas may Allah be pleased with him consulted with the Prophet alayhi salatu wassalam when he wanted to give his wealth in charity in this case this is evidence for consultation seeking the opinion of the people of knowledge and every person in accordance with his situation for example if you intend to do something related to the deen then consult with the people of knowledge because they are more knowledgeable in the deen matters than others and if on the other hand if you want to buy a house then consult with the people in the real estate business and if you intend to buy a car then consult with the engineers, specialists in the auto business. And that's why it is said, the one who makes istikhara, seeking Allah for guidance, would never be disappointed. وَلَا نَدِمَ مَنِ And the one who consults would never be regretful, would never regret. And the person should not think of himself as perfect. Anyone who thinks of himself as perfect is in fact, he is the imperfect. And therefore, it's inevitable that he should consult in the important matters that are related to his affairs. He should have consultation with the people of knowledge and people of sound opinion. Why? Because the person may be carried away with his emotions in order to do things which are in essence 
in themselves, they are right, and there's no problem with that. However, telling about it may not be wise, either in terms of the timing, or the place, or the circumstances. And that's why, and listen to this carefully, and that's why the Prophet ﷺ relinquished the building of the Kaaba on the foundation of Ibrahim, fearing the fitna, fearing the fitna, the affliction. So he told Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, لَوْلَا أَنَّ قَوْمَكِ حَدِيثُوا عَهْدٍ بِكُفْرٍ لبنيت الكعبة على قواعد إبراهيم ولجعلت لها بابين بابا يدخل منه الناس وبابا يخرجون منه Had it not been that your people still close to the pre-Islamic period of ignorance of kufr I would have dismantled the Kaaba I would have dismantled the Kaaba and I would have made two doors in it one for the entrance and the other for exit and this is an agreed upon hadith so he intended to do that so that people could be able to enter the house of Allah but he relinquished that fearing the fitna although although it is a benefit although it is a benefit. But he relinquished it, because he feared that the people would say, oh, Muhammad is what? Demolishing the Kaaba. Even greater than this, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forbade that we insult the gods of the mushriks. Yet knowing that the gods of the mushrik deserves to be insulted and defamed and people turned off from them. But since their insult may lead to the insult of Allah Azza wa Jal, who is high above any imperfection and or defect, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded in Surah Al-An'am, chapter 6, verse 108. <laughs> And insult not those whom they disbelievers worship besides Allah 
lest they insult Allah wrongfully without knowledge. Thus we have made fair seeming to each people its own doing. Then to their Lord is their return, and he shall then inform them of all that they used to do. So, the important matter to remember is that we should know that something or a thing could be good in itself and of its subject, but may not be good and may not be wise and may not be of wisdom and of sanity and neither an advice and not even from the angle of trust that we mention it at certain times or at certain places or under certain circumstances even though itself may be right and true and real and therefore we conclude that the person should seek the people of knowledge and people of sound opinion and people of advice concerning the affair before he steps forward to do until he until he finds his proof because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told the most honorable of his creation Muhammad and the most sound in his opinion he told him in Surah Al-Imran chapter 3 verse 159 وَاسْتَغْفِرْ لَهُمْ وَشَاوِرْهُمْ فِي الْأَمْرِ فَإِذَا عَزَمْتَ فَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ فَعْفُ عَنْهُمْ So pass over their faults and ask Allah's forgiveness for them and consult them in the affairs فَإِذَا عَزَمْتَ فَتَوَكَّلْ عَلَى اللَّهِ Then when you have taken a decision put your trust in Allah certainly Allah loves those who put their trust in Him And who is this? This is the messenger Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم alayhi salatu wassalam the person may be overwhelmed and driven by his emotions and he will go forward and then he say oh this is for Allah it is me now I am doing this I will speak loudly the truth and I will say anything fearing none except Allah and the like of this word of these words then the consequences and it is most likely that the one who and most often that the one who (coughs) lets himself to his emotions to be the guide and does not foresee the consequences and the results and must not compare the matters it's often that 
many evils may occur on his hands only known to Allah yet his intention may be good but he did not act properly because there is a difference between good intention and acting properly person may be may have good intention but acts improperly and he may have a bad intention and most often the one with bad intention acts improperly yet he may act properly in order to attain his evil purpose or goal the person is praised for his good intention but he may not be praised because of his bad doing unless it is known that he is known a known person known for advice and guidance in this case he may be excused because of his wrong doing and in this case it is not permissible that we take of his bad action a means to criticize him and belittling him however we excuse him and clarify to him and advise him and we say to him so so in this case we don't you don't agree with him we advise him but we don't go belittling him and criticizing him we say to him our brother these are your words your action is good in itself however it is not proper it does not fit the place the time or the circumstances although it is right in itself so what is important in the hadith of Sa'ad bin Abi Waqqas is that we should seek consultation with those who have more who are more perfected in their opinions and more knowledgeable walhamdulillah rabbil alameen wa sallallahu ala muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam we stop here inshallah and we continue the next uh, part of, of the, for the discussion in the next class <coughs>